0: This episode is brought to you in partnership with Life Kitchens. Life create kitchens to be lived in, planned around your life and the way you live it. Explore their unique ranges and book a design consultation for a personal and practical approach to kitchens. Visit life-kitchens.co.uk. You also reckon that this house was mentioned in some of Jane Austen's novels.
1: There's there's a mention of the house in uh, her diaries which I've upstairs, actually, uh, quoting the house off of Portland Square. There's not a lot of literature on it because it was Henry's house. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think there's a, there's a mention of in sense of sensibility, so someone told me.
0: Hello, I'm Carol Annett from Country and Townhouse magazine. Welcome to the House Guest podcast, where I chat with experts from the world of interior design and decoration, the people behind the houses, hotels, shops and brands you see in glossy magazines like ours. And if you're doing up your own home, hopefully you'll pick up some tips for yourself. Today I'm sitting with Stephen Collins in the basement of Henry's townhouse, his passion project in Upper Berkeley Street. It's the former house of Jane Austen's brother, Henry. And you have done this together Stephen, along with Russell Sage Studio, and we've just had a walk around, and I have to say your passion for this place shines through in every little detail. Thank you very much. So tell me how it all began.
1: Well, um, I'm in the property business. Uh, I have a business known as Temple Guiding Manor in Gloucestershire, which people stay exclusively as a whole or in part. I came across a freehold in Upper Berkeley Street, and they don't often come up, Freehold because the whole area is owned by the Portman estate. It transpired that this particular building came out of a gambling debt, about a hundred years ago. It did, it did. Uh, it They're fall. always the most interesting yeah, stories. And what happened was that uh, um, it came on the market. It was originally, it is a hotel by definition in planning terms, but um, it was originally a rather rundown down b but I could see it's scope, it's grade two listed. It had a bit of history behind it because of Henry and the Jane connection. And I could see it was the perfect size being seven bedrooms for exclusive stay, exclusive use. And as you say, it is a bit of a passion project but it's here to make money. And I believe it's perhaps what many people want today. Um, with Russell Sage and my wife, we have it's taken us two years to restore, extend the building at the back, and we ended up finalizing with seven lovely suites, a drawing room and a pantry kitchen. And I think it will suit many different occasions and many different uses, not just people coming to London for a wedding or a show or going shopping, but it could attract people for longer stays. For example, in the movie business, this location is excellent. It's right on Hyde Park. It's right near Regent's Park. So you've got concerts in the summer, you've got art fairs, and we've designed it for complete flexibility. We didn't want to compete with hotel rooms and let it in single rooms. We need to draw from its strength completely. And its strength is that you're in a house that feels like charming old England, even though we've glamorized it a bit, but you're in a house where you feel at home. You can be formal or informal. You can walk about your dressing gown, or we can we can bespoke your stay.
0: And tell me what the I mean when you when you got here, it was it was a horrible mess. Um, what was your How did you start the planning process? Did you look through magazines? Did you have an a vision immediately about how it ought to be? Where did you look back on the history? Um, Funny enough,
1: I didn't know that it was Henry's house and nor did Savills when they were selling it to me. It was Russell Sage who, Russell and his team are very much involved in historic buildings. For example, they just restored the new House & Worth uh, Hotel up near the Balmoral Estate. They, so it was to their, they brought the, the history to my attention. And of course, as soon as I heard that it was Henry's house with the Jane Austen connection and, uh, with costume dramas going all over the world. The Americans love all that, so do the Far East. So we had then researched it. It's grade two listed and tried to put it back in some way how it would have operated years ago, but glamorising it up into the 21st century. It looks oldy-worldy, but actually you've got modern technology behind it. It's fully air-conditioned. You can Skype in most rooms. So that's how it all started. The size made it very interesting because, had it been 10 to 15 bedrooms, you couldn't, you'd have had to have big parties taking it as a whole. I think the key was of its size. Although it's on basement ground and uh, three upper levels, it's not a hard staircase. You don't have to occupy the whole building to fill at home. You've got a lovely drawing rooms. Somebody might take the house, for example, and not occupy every bedroom. They might put their own staff here. Um, or just use some bedrooms and dressing rooms. You know, it's, it's, it's flexible.
0: And tell me about the things that you've brought in, because you, you, you actually haven't bought that much. Most of it you already had, which is extraordinary. Um, a lot of
1: it we had. My wife and I are collectors, so it was a perfect excuse to get going again on the project. And, uh, quite a lot of the art we had at Temple Guaratings, so, so we switched things around from Gloucestershire, uh, but I know I, I sourced quite a lot from two or three dealers that I deal with in London, specifically for the project. Jane went out and sourced antique fabric for markets all over London, literally from Portobello Road over to West London. She sourced all the original tiles on the terrace and in the kitchen. And it's those things working with Russell Sage, who was a fantastic, the team's brilliant at actually at working out space. They They sourced the original wood for the flooring, and you need modern lighting that is in keeping. So, you know, they helped us with that sort of thing. Russell was very good also at sourcing the antique furniture for the bathrooms, carving it up, cutting it up. So it, so it looks like it's always been there, but it, it works in a modern capacity.
0: And, and your wife, Jane, you were saying that her first little job she had was at antiquaries. Jane has
1: always been involved in... Uh, her family were uh, jewellery shops in the West End, When she was 16, 17, she left school early, when she went for the the Lisa in Knightsbridge. She was an antiquarius. Which was the The, the,
0: Emporium on the King's Road.
1: Correct. I remember it well. She was there for several years selling antique jewelry and then got involved in all sorts of objects. She then opened a little store in that's still here today, called 66. She used to specialize in uh, 20th century furniture and she mixes that up now. She does a bit of both with jewellery and her collection of skirts and fabrics. Very good with colours, Jane. And that's how it worked with Russell. Russell, actually, if he had his way, would have turned this into a little bit more dowdy, a bit heavier. And we realised the London audience is not the same as in Scotland, where you've got stuffed animals everywhere. We wanted to glamorise this a bit,
0: and we've done that. But also what I love, you've got some, some really interesting colour. You've got um, pumpkin and lilac and purples and, and yeah. mixed in with, with some very beautiful... I'm, use, I'm going to use the word sludgy in, in, the, in, the, mm. in the loveliest sense of the word. You no, know, that's why here. Jane is
1: really clever, actually. I wouldn't have dreamt of mixing an orange with a yellow, with a pale green, but it kind of works. It actually. works beautifully. It does. Yeah, yeah. And that's what her forte is. I'm more on the uh, art and just putting things in the right position. But,
0: and um, which was the bedroom that we went into that has this sort of punch and Judy around the bathroom?
1: Oh, that was on the first floor front, uh, Eliza's room. Eliza's room. Where because the building is grade two listed. If we were to build a bathroom in that room, the planners wouldn't allow us to touch the ceiling. So we built a silk pod in the shape of a tent, uh, which is a real talking point, I think, to the building. It makes a wonderful bridal suite, actually.
0: Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And and in there, you've got it, there's the the colors are, are sort of, there's crystal lights and lilac colors. And then you've got this lovely, a bit like, Granny's drawers, the light lace that goes all around the four-poster yeah. bed and around the little lights, which yeah. is such a darling little touch, yeah, I thought I that was lovely. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think it will
1: be appreciated, actually, yeah. because it does make a great bridal suite, yeah. you know, you go off, get married around here, or spend, or spend you know, even beforehand, you know, get, a get together with the whole family before you get married, or a special occasion, lovely place to just meet. Have some fun. We're going to get a wedding license, actually, because oh, more and more people are having small bespoke weddings. Uh, I find from Temple Guiding that particularly foreigners that are living in London, they might have their big wedding at home, but they'll come back and get married here and have a second one for their friends in, in the UK that they've met. It's a great little place for that sort of party.
0: Yeah. And most of the rooms have got four posters, and then you've got some amazing, um, what did you call them?
1: No, that's an interesting room. That's campaign furniture.
0: Campaign furniture.
1: Which, years ago, during uh, the the Indian uh, Commonwealth days, uh, our soldiers would march up and down, um, providing sleep for the generals, the private, and that, that was the furniture that would screw together. Uh, and Russell had them actually in his store, and we restored them. We thought, well, they were a bit big actually for a small bedroom, but they are very fun actually to have as a talking point. So we we we, we restored them, put fabric on them, and they're actually nice for kids as
0: well. Yeah, so they're like they're like single beds with a with an arched canopy, like a tent, over, a tent like a tent, tent exactly over the top. Which yeah. they would
1: have had years ago, uh, and they, they would probably have netting for mosquitoes, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, they're very smart. And what's your favourite part of the house?
1: I love this area here down in the pantry pantry, because it was a rubbish dump when we took it and I couldn't visualise this. I think this was a complicated room because we needed a dining room, we needed a kitchen and we needed a conference boardroom. So a dual purpose room and that's where Jane and Russell were very clever with this room because It feels like at home at night, it comes into its own as the dining room when you close it all in with the panelling, but during the day it works for breakfast, afternoon teas. And actually the the Argo is a lovely statement. It looks like a work of art, it's a sculpture. And it has its uses too. We've got chefs coming in doing um, broadcasts here, hopefully, and they're gonna use this room. So this room was a tricky room because the house isn't vast and we have to case it for different types of uses. Yeah. No, not just private stays, but for corporates as well.
0: And you've got a hen party coming soon, We're, which I think you're very brave.
1: We've got two or three coming, here, only because they can't go abroad and go nuts at the moment. So we have to keep them under control here. <laughs> I? And I'll have to stay, won't I? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, um, tell me more about the little stories um, and things that you've found. Was there anything that you, when you go into your, do you have sort of like a, where, where do you keep all your cords on your- no, we haven't got that much in storage in them. Chelsea Harbour. Okay.
1: Mainly, Store yeah. storerooms down there. Um, I'll tell you where we were very lucky, because it's never easy to find um, Persian rugs. But one of my best friends is a wholesaler. He's over based somewhere in Collindale. And we took all the drawings to him, and it's very hard to find reasonably priced but very smart Persian rugs and they do make a big difference to a room in the drawing room, and the bedrooms. they make the room they give the rooms a bit of body to them and authenticity. And so our friend came here within 15 minutes. he knew exactly the size of the rugs we needed and we went over him and so that was very good. That was it because they, I wouldn't have normally known where to start with all that actually. one wanted us to, to tie the Persian rugs up the middle of the stairs but it was all getting a bit too much and you could trip over them so we went a little bit more traditional. But you've stairs.
0: got a beautiful herringbone floor runner, stair yes, runner.
1: going up to the first floor. Yeah. It's lovely. Really yeah, lovely. That was Jane's idea.
0: And tell me more about Henry. So he, he also wrote a book
1: Henry wrote a journal, I think it was at Cambridge, um, a monthly journal, bi monthly journal called The Loiterer. I managed on the internet somehow to find the original copy, sourced it, and we've now got it in our little snug on the half landing. So, a highly intelligent man. And then, what we've done, we've produced a newsletter for the bedrooms and the house called The Loiterer telling you, and in time really tell us what's on in London, where you where you should be going, what you should be seeing. It's just a, sort of our little time out and we've called it the loiterer We're also gonna, we'd like to think that Henry's can travel as a little brand. Obviously we wanna get this place going first. We've had an amazing response from the journalists like yourselves and people literally coming and going when they can. So we're confident that once London opens up for several reasons, this place will really should fly. We're going. To, we're producing a, a lovely candle range, a beautiful ceramic pot with um, little miniatures on with black candles, and the senses will be of an old Regency home. So once one of the um, the senses will be like firewood, logwood. One might be apple crumble from a kitchen. So, <laughs> so we're going to- That's the one
0: for me. Yeah, so yeah. we're going
1: to, and that we hope will set into some London stores and maybe in an America. That's all about the brand awareness. And eventually we might do soaps and shampoos, etc. cetera.
0: But and- um, There and could the, be other
1: Henry's, of course, in other cities around the world. I, be I, be a, I think there's a scope for
0: this. Yeah, I'm bath, I'm thinking the next one.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, could be Brighton, could be Bath, could be Barcelona.
0: And also, so you also reckon that this house was mentioned in some of Jane Austen's novels?
1: There's, there's a mention of the house in uh, her diaries, which I've got upstairs, actually, uh, quoting the house off Portland Square. There's not a lot of literature on it because it was Henry's house. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think there's, there's a mention of it in Sense and Sensibility, so someone told me so,
0: and where, where did you get your passion for interiors?
1: Only from, collect, from collections. We have not moved house a lot, actually. We bought house, and we have a house in France, too. But uh, for 35 years, we lived in an old Regency house in St. John's Wood, and when the family grew up, we then found a townhouse in Malibu. Uh, and that, by the fact that I was living there, brought this to my attention, because I was always scouting around here. I didn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I must produce a Henry's townhouse. It never works like that. What happens is in life, you, you, you find a property that you think realistically is affordable. And then if you can, you can turn it into a business because of the property. You One would never have woken up and said, oh, I must have an eight bedroom townhouse for exclusive use in Melbourne. It doesn't work like that. You, you have to think outside the box and, and turn a business into something that you've got and that's you know yes it is a passion project but it's more than that you know you've got to this has got to be viable and i think it will be
0: and um how long did it take from sort of first
1: two and a half years um, Yeah, it took six months to sort out the planning uh, the english heritage were very good with us because it was because it was listed and in such disrepair they respected the building and we were only putting it back to the way it should have been. So, and that's why they gave us scope to extend it to the rear of the building for the bathrooms.
0: Well, I think you've created an absolute gem. Good. And I wish you well with it.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to House Guests from Country and Townhouse Magazine with me, Carol Annett. Don't forget to subscribe to the series on iTunes. In the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram at Carol W Annett. And keep up to date on all the podcast news and show notes online at countryandtownhouse.co.uk podcast. And please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Country and Townhouse is launching a new travel newsletter. The first 100 to sign up at countryandtownhouse.co.uk forward slash travel hyphen newsletter will get a free copy of this year's gorgeous Great British and Irish Hotels Guide.